You are listening to Peach Neon Pink Ramblings, the podcast. <laughs> Ramblings of a K drama fanatic with thoughts about Korean dramas, movies, music, and beauty. These are my thoughts about life, pop culture, and other really random things. New episodes mostly every week, mostly on Mondays, sometimes on different days. But follow us on our socials at Peach Neon Pink. There's two N's after neon. For more random, random, random <laughs> ramblings, head on over to my website at www.peachneonpink.com. Again, neon has two N's. Hey, welcome back, and you are listening to episode 5 of Peach Neon Pink Ramblings, the podcast. You have, uh, we've officially reached 5 episodes, which is amazing by itself. Um, like I said in the previous podcast, um, I'm going to try to do this every week. I am going to go on vacation again in the next couple weeks, so there might be a lack of podcasts for a couple weeks, but we're going to try to get to it. Um, anyways, today we're doing the fifth episode, like I said. Um, I'm going to talk, going to do a switch through and talk a little bit more about um, a couple of Korean movies that I watched recently uh, streaming online. Um, and then I'm going to talk about a couple of songs in the K-pop section, mostly about, um, a couple of songs that I've been enjoying so far. And in the K-beauty section, we're going to do a bit of a comparison, talk a little bit, talk about, um, my favorite, favorite part of K-beauty, which is, um, pretty much lipsticks. Um, and I'll talk about that more later. Um, anyway, stay tuned. I'm going to talk about the first movie in a sec. And here we go. So we're going to talk about the first Korean movie uh, that I recently watched. Um, the title is Beautiful Vampire. It started... <laughs> it's starring Jung Yoon Joo and Song Ken. I'm going to read you guys a bit of a description. Um, again, from Vicky. Um, if I haven't mentioned it, it's available on Vicky. Um, Ran, played by Jung Yoon Joo, is a beautiful vampire who has been leading a quiet existence for 500 years, operating a small makeup shop in the Mangwon neighborhood of Seoul. When a new landlord threatens to evict her, Ran meets the landlord's son, Sonyeon, played by Song Kang. Sonyeon has the same scent as Junyi, a love from her past. So when Sonyeon's scent arouses Ran's natural vampire instincts, which she has suppressed for so long, what will happen to her quiet life now? So that was a bit of a description, not that much info on it, I guess, <laughs> but that's the description from Vicky when I first saw this movie. Um, <clears throat> what did I want to talk about with this movie? Um, <laughs> so a little bit more of a background, it originally aired uh, on Oksusu as a web series. Oksusu is, um, I think one of the cable networks like um, web like department like uh it's kind of like when they do like mostly like short little episodes that are just shown um via mobile phones or like um it, it's more like shorts rather than actual korean drama episodes so it's more of like a web drama something that um it's comparable to what you would see um more internationally or here in the states as like web dramas or web shorts um trying to think of a famous web series right now but i can't like on the top of my head but anyways it's kind of like that it's a web series it's not really a full-on uh korean drama but then it got reformatted and released as a feature film um back in 2018 last year like i said it's available on vicky i how did i come upon this 
movie. Um, I had a really bad episode of insomnia, which I usually do. I have I I'm a na- I'm a night owl. I'm actually recording this right at like midnight here in California. Um, but I'm I usually stay up all night anyways as it is, but. This particular night that I watched this, I was looking for like something different to watch, and I was scrolling through Vicky, and then I saw this, and I was like, "Beautiful vampire." Okay, that sounds intriguing. Um, and then I started watching, and I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> um, it's an endearing yet quirky black comedy that turns the standard like vampire story into its own unique story. It has a very indie film feel to it really honestly because i think because it's such a low budget um like because it started as a web series um it really has that indie feel to it it really makes use of its limits and locations um there's a whole part of the plot because um ron is a vampire she's lived for such a long time that there's a certain part that she's supposed to be still in the joseon period it's like a flashback but they never really depict it like you can't like the background is just like these white sheets um but the characters are dressed up in period clothing so they're wearing hanbok and all that stuff but um i think they chose not to film it at like a like one of the palaces or like a, a set with a historical setting to it because that would cost money um so it gave it a bit of more of an artistic feel but also for somebody um like myself who watched a lot of like historical films and historical dramas it the um the low budgety um part of it really stood out because of that because i know that you know i'm pretty sure they have access to to film in like a palace or some set or something that but they just chose not to which was like okay like i think i would have preferred if they had shot in a historical drama set um then kind of just made us look at white sheets and kind of threw me off for a bit <laughs> anyways maybe it was supposed to save production costs maybe because like i said maybe because it's low budget um, it premiered as part of the Korean fantastic category at the Busan International Film Festival. If you don't know that much about Korean movies or Korean dramas, you know, um, you might have heard of that Korean movie Train to Busan. Like Busan is an actual like um, place in Korea. Um, I don't remember if it's like more north. I'm not too sure. I didn't go to Busan when I went to Korea, but um they they host a very significant international film festival there so like i said um <laughs> it's part of the korean fantasy fantasy fantastic eh, korean fantastic category um which it definitely fits into i'm going to talk about that a little bit um like i said very quirky film um jong yeon ju i i for me she's a relatively new actress um, but her comedic timing is is considerably very good. She did really well with like the 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 Joseon way of speaking, like very archaic way of speaking. Um, she is she's playing this kind of character that's out of time, um, in the way that she still talks like she's from Joseon or she's from way back and that just highlights the fact that she's a vampire that just lived forever and she has very she's had very like little to small amounts of like per people interaction interaction with people uh, in the 500 years that she's lived she kind of reminds me a little bit of Jung Manuel in Hotel de Luna Hotel de Luna which I talked about a couple of podcast episodes um, before very good Korean drama if you haven't checked it out definitely check it out it's on Vicky as well um, but her wardrobe reminds me of Jung Manuel's wardrobe because it's very like Victorian like f- lace frills like very proper um kind of all the pomp and circumstance so that reminds me of that um so she's for me I've, i haven't seen a lot of her i'm not too familiar with her but i felt that she has um 
how should I say her comedic timing like I said is very good but her face is a very like uh uh I wouldn't say not memorable I think her like the way she acts is memorable but she has kind of has that standard cute Korean actress face like not um like who should I say as an example like um Let's say she's similar, like Jung Man like Ayu, the actress, um, like kind of that cutesy face, but Ayu kind of has a more recognizable like feature, um, and it's her f- um, Jung Yoon Ju's face is also not like um, Park Bo Young. Though when you see her, she's like, oh, that's Park Bo Young. Like you know, that's her. Like that's a very signature face. Like you. Um, not to say she's not beautiful, she's really pretty, really pretty actress, but I think, um, she kind of comes across more as an indie actress or somebody who would not be, like, an A-lister type of actress, just because she's, she doesn't have a particular defining feature that would kind of put her above the rest of all of the equally talented, um, Korean actresses right now, so, um, well, who knows? Maybe maybe she'll do well. Um, the drama itself feels like it's one that's been produced. Uh, what was I saying? I don't know. <laughs> what was I? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> oh, that's what I was gonna talk about. <laughs> like my notes are all over the place. Kind of like this movie, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, oh, I was gonna talk about Song Kang. Uh, most currently you can see him in love alarm in this uh, movie he plays a lovable adult who is self-aware of his handsome face his visuals um, and his puppy dog eyes um <laughs> if you've seen him in love alarm this is kind of like um a different um a different character I don't know if this is Song Kang's first movie. It might be his first movie role. I didn't really look into it that much. It might be. Um, but uh, there's like all these random English words in his dialogue that he purposely delivers in this accent when he's uh, like when he's speaking. And also he has like a purpose- purposely weird accent when he speaks in Korean, which kind of adds a lot to the hilarity of the whole situations they're in in the plot um because he he just sometimes talks speaks in korean with like as if he's korean american or korean canadian or like somebody who's like lived out of korea for like years and years on time but the joke is in the story that he's only been there for like six months or something or less than a year and he's he has this affect and is like um accent and the way he speaks korean is doesn't fit like somebody who's only like pretty much lived abroad for like six months uh <laughs> so it's kind of funny I, I think it adds to the quirkiness of his character but song kang is song kang like if you've seen him in love alarm and you've seen his beautiful face it's it's kind of hard not to fall into the charms of song kang um like i said about love alarm he he's a promising actor if he if he gets kind of past the whole like he's a visual and he's a handsome face and she kind of shows his acting chops um he's he's gonna do really well in the korean entertainment um system because in the, in that industry like you know a a beautiful face does a lot but also i mean you need the acting skills also to kind of stay stay in the game stay in the industry so um (laughs) um this this character is like he's very self-aware which makes it so funny because he's like the character is like a aspiring actor and he just tells us of the don't worry i'm you're beautiful you don't have to worry about it. it's okay like that's how he talks confidence himself but in the same way the character is a little bit more endearing because you kind of they don't explore it that much in the movie but um when you read between the lines you kind of see why he gets attracted to run even though such an absurd situation like he's just like this kind of like idiot that falls in love with a vampire who can very much well like you know kill him um but i think he bonds with the fact that ran is somebody who is out of her time 
out of place in the context of the society and i feel like that's how he experienced being in america or being abroad that he was also as somebody who doesn't really speak english and couldn't communicate i feel like the underlying um plot line was that he was bullied or something like that he was out of place um when he was abroad so i think that's how he bonded with ren um so that's that's what makes onion um very endearing and song kang really brings that out um i commend both actors um uh, jong yeonju and song kang because they they weren't they didn't have much to work with and it's um they did as well as they can <laughs> amazingly enough um there is Lee Young-yo, who is a veteran actress. She has a very small, slightly forgettable role as the butcher lady. Um, but I don't know. Like quirky, if I haven't said it enough, is a word about is a word that I would describe this uh Korean movie just because it's like even Lee Young-yo's um character is very random. It's like a butcher lady, but she's like drinking at the bar every night. She's supposed to be like a mother figure for Ryan-ish. I guess that's what in her the intention of the character is, but it doesn't come off that way. She just comes off as this ra- random like ajuma, like random old lady that's just like there in the story, but doesn't really like have a purpose. I don't know like peppers in a little bit of wisdom like once or twice in the movies i i, I guess i don't know it wasn't <laughs> i mean she's a very veteran actress so i'm pretty sure they were just like hey uh can you do this small role almost a cameo in our movie um <laughs> but i mean it's it's a movie that knows it's a film that knows its boundaries it doesn't go beyond it's like very very short light 72 minute run like it's not a very long movie you know by the time it finishes you're not gonna be like oh my god so tired i just wasted like three hours of my life on this film so it's it's never that it knows it doesn't take it it doesn't take us it what was interesting it doesn't take itself seriously like it knows what it is it knows that it's like a weird in the kind of film talking about um a vampire there's a whole like plot line that um she ends up succumbing to her desires and she ends up biting uh sonyeon and like literally kind of goes overboard and drinks so much of his blood that he passes out um and then she's like because she's not attracted to him like he, she pretty much like carries him out into the outside of her house where it happened and then she's like burning she tries to get to the hospital to take him to the hospital but she he doesn't make it um and then surprisingly enough he doesn't turn into a vampire i don't know i'm not a huge fan of the whole like vampire like genre and the supernatural type of genre of films and like pop culture um you know i was one of those people who were like red twilight was just like oh god ugh, oh god like just cringe every time um from the books and the movies um but here it's like i was like hmm it kind of defies the whole like logic that he didn't end up turning to um a vampire um the thing with like supernatural and science fiction type of films i feel like if they had established the rules beforehand then every other scene and what happens in the plot just makes sense and they're just like oh okay that's why that happens because this is the rule of that universe of that that film so um i was operating on the idea that oh if that's how they kind of like explained it in the beginning that if ren ends up fighting him he's gonna turn or she did that with her previous love from 500 years ago jenny and she ended up dying but it turns out sonyo doesn't even turn into a vampire and he doesn't die he survives um and they have this quirky um ending which which was which was really weird i'm just gonna use quirky a lot about this review um about this um movie um but overall enjoyable i think it's one of those movies that you have to turn off your logic just turn off your brain for like 70 plus minutes and just enjoy it 
for what it is. It's fun. It's like weird and uh, ridiculous, um, especially Sonia, the landlord, um, Sonia's mom, like the landlord. Um, she just does a lot of questionable things in this film. It's just like borderline comedic hilarious and kind of creepy at the same time. And that's a lot saying considering that the lead is supposed to be a vampire. So I thought I was supposed to get creeped out by her being a vampire, but I'm not. I'm creeped out by, by the landlord, the mom. It's an odd feeling when you're watching a job. But like I said, you have to really just turn off your brain for this movie to work. And then you're set. You're like, oh, yeah, this is such a fun movie to watch. I like it. It's like, you know, like funny meet cutes, funny situations. It's like, that, that, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> um anyways that was about um beautiful vampire um stay tuned i'm going to talk about another uh korean movie in a bit So, second Korean movie that we're going to talk about is The Swindlers. It is starring Hyunbin and Yu Ji I'm going to read you guys again a description from Vicky because that's where I watched this movie. Um, here we go. What does it take to catch the world's most legendary conman? After swindling a huge amount of money from many victims, master conman Jung Do Chil, played by Hyo Sun Tae, disappears and is presumed dead. But when rumors surface that Dong Chil may be still may be alive, prosecutor Park Hee Soo, played by Yu Ji Tae, wants to make sure that he remains dead to avoid a corruption scandal. Prosecutor Park recruits master swindler Wang Ji-sung, played by Hyun Bin, who has his own personal vendetta against Du Chiu, as well as Go Suk-dong, played by Bae Seung-woo, um, Chon Ja, played by Nana, and Chief Kim, played by An Seha, to track down Du Chiu in exchange for a criminal immunity. They devise a plan to bait Du Chiu's right-hand man, Kwok Sung-jin, played by Park Sung-woo, Park Song Wong, but will it work? Alright, first things first, this is one of those Korean movies that are just like star studded. It has like A list stars everywhere, and that's part of the draw, I think, for the movie. It's uh like I said, star studded crime movie, uh released in 2017, so a couple years ago with Hyun Bin and Yujite. Um, the main idea of this movie is that because of this Ponzi scheme um, that this con man did like years ago, um, people were people's money just vanished and he just took off with everybody's money. Um, it was such a huge scandal in terms of the plot of the story that um, people um, took their own life, went into debt, became like a lot of stuff happened. It affected a lot of people. Um, and in the belly of things is that it's because of these corrupt government officials who just want to like pad their pockets and go up higher and end up in higher positions. So um, that's the basis of the whole thing, like in the beginning. Um, so let's talk about Hyunbin. So I, I think arguably... Hyunbin would be the the biggest name on this this uh, movie. He he has done qu- uh, uh, quite a lot of Korean dramas. Um, I, I mean, most recently, uh, Memories of Alhambra, but he's been in quite a lot. I, I won't name all of them, but you can look up his Wikipedia page. And, oh, sorry, his Wikipedia page, and you'll you'll see that he has a lot of Korean dramas. He also has a significant amount of Korean movies under his belt. So he's he's like the A list or one of the A-list stars in this Korean movie. Um, he, he... Okay, one thing you need to know about him, and I love him as an actor. I'm a fan. Um, he is... The character of Wong Ji-sung is a con man, and when you're depicting a movie, your character is a con man, you need to be charming, and Hyun-bin does that really well. He's just like... He's just gonna pour on the charm. He's gonna be like... I think... A, when I think of Hyun Bin, I think of who do I think of? 
he's kind of like I compare him to uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in Hollywood like he's the kind of actor that can fit and mold himself to a bunch of different different characters and genres and still be compelling and charming um so kind of like leo hyunbin is that kind of actor when hyunbin decides to turn on the charm it's like damn yeah he's so charming he has like what the korean um term is meryok like he's a lot of charm just oozing out of every pore in his body i think um so he he, i want to say in this movie he does what he can as um jisung like despite the plot line um he i mean he he could have been in a better movie but he's not which you know no no actor or actress's career is ever like just all hits there's always going to be some misses and i think this is one of those like it's not it's not a hit in terms of his um like the films that he in movies uh, i mean the films and the dramas he has under his belt it, it's definitely not a hit a little bit of a pass maybe but he he does well um <laughs> uh ugta is very convincing as a corrupt prosecutor but it's not much of a stretch for his acting skills um when i think of ugta he is one of those um actors in korea that definitely has a very strong set of fundamental acting jobs like he he does like a lot of like prosecutor lawyer roles he does um he does a lot of like very hardcore drama crime movies he does a lot of kind of like um psychological um psychological thrillers he suspends stuff stuff like that that requires uh a very good grasp at your skills at acting and um he is very convincing here very broody like you can really tell he's corrupt and he has a very skewed agenda of what he wants to do but it's not much of a stretch like i feel like he's done his this character a lot um not not saying that he's been typecasted but he's he's done this character few times in his career so it's not much of a stretch for him um i think of this character visually similar to his character in the korean adaptation of the good wife um he also plays i think a lawyer prosecutor there the the image is just so similar so i feel like he ujite he's a really good actor but he just has done this so many times before um based on wall and Park Sung-wong, both of them very strong, very capable film actors. They just kind of got wasted with parts that were essentially forgettable. Um, I think if it wasn't f- those actors playing those roles and they just like picked a different actor and put them in that spot, you wouldn't think that it's a very like you know, it's a very essential or memorable character in the plot line. Um, like. Basin was a really like emotive, amazing actor, and he just kind of got wasted <laughs> in this role. Park Sung um, I've seen him a couple of roles, and he's one of those actressy actors, or just like, um, when you see him, you're like, whoa, okay, wow, <laughs> it's amazing. Like, you kind of get wild, but here they they're not given that much room to kind of show how g- good of an actor they are, uh, which is sad. Um. Nana's character as the sole female um, really got sidetracked to being just like a mere eye candy. Um, I haven't seen Nana in like um, in a lot of like things. Um, I was watching her Korean drama um, Kill It, but I didn't finish it. So and she was she was okay in that drama, but not amazing either. So I don't know if that's just her baseline that she's she's just like an okay actress. Um, I know that she used to be part of. Want to say she used to be part of After School, and Orange Caramel, the K-pop groups. Um, and then she transitioned to being an actress. So I'm um, not saying that 
at all. You know, I, you know, you guys know from previous podcast episodes, um, I am in a huge support of like K-pop idols who turn into actors. I mean, I feel like you know, if you want to stay in the industry, you need to kind of develop other skills aside from being an idol, because the idol shelf life is very short. Like you know, there's not much idols past like their thirties that make it through and they're still you know in the top of their game so a lot of them transition into acting which which is a good plan i i commend them for that um i appreciate that and i think nana she's a very beautiful actress but um yeah i don't know if her acting is that great i think um, I feel bad saying that because I feel like she has a lot of potential. She just hasn't found a role that really is really her the role where she can showcase her her acting. Um, I'm doing a lot of commentary about acting acting skills as if I am an actor or an actress. I'm not totally like disclaimer disclaimer. This is just my own opinions and just viewpoints from just experience of watching a lot of Korean dramas and a lot of Korean movies and films in general. So um I'm not saying at all that I'm 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 qualified at all to judge their acting skills. I'm I'm just saying. <laughs> um this movie while I was watching immediately immediately reminds me of the two thousand Twelve heist film, The Thieves, which is starring Lee Jung Jae, Kim Hee Soo, Jung Ji Hyun, and Kim So Hyun. Um, again, again, it's one of those star-studded movies, movie vehicles. The Thieves is more like has a feel of Ocean's Eleven, kind of like that. Um, people call it like the Korean version of Ocean's Eleven, but it's a little bit different actually. Um, so much that the swindlers remind me reminded me of the Thieves that I watched the Thieves right after. Like, how's that come from? I'm just going to watch The Thieves because, um, in a way, it is a lot, it's the execution of it that's a lot better in The Thieves. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, um, yeah, the execution of the plot is better. I mean, it's it's different, but yet similar plots. Um, and it uses its star-studded cast in a more effective way. Uh, what I mean by that is, like, I'm going to quickly, quickly... Um, just compare characters. So, like what I mentioned, Nana's character is one of the soul. Uh, Nana's character, Chongja, in um, the Swindlers, she's the sole like female character, um, and she's supposed to be kind of like uh, supposed she's supposed to be the grifter role. Um, if you you guys remember from a couple episodes back that I talked about the Korean drama adaptation of Leverage and I talked about the role like a grifter who kinda like the one who baits the con of the things. And I think that's what Chunjo was supposed to be. I think so. I think Nana's character was supposed to be that. Um in The Thieves, Jun Ji Hyun plays Yaniko, who is the grifter of the, the crew. Here it's different because um well, one thing, Jun Ji Hyun is a very recognizable name in the Korean industry. She broke into the American, to Hollywood as Gianna June. She was in Blood the Vampire, a couple of other um, Hollywood films. Um, but also, she's, she's, she's an A-lister in the names of A-listers in the Korean um, industry, Korean entertainment industry. So um, the way she played Yannickol is that you... We're very convinced that she uses all of her strength, her female, like her f- beautiful face, her female wiles, her sensuality, everything to grift the person they're conning. Um, that's the whole sequence in the beginning of The Thieves that she's pretending to uh, be the fiance of this gallery owner, but they're just really s- trying to sell, uh, not trying to sell, trying to um, use use him so that they can um, steal his like artwork this piece of art from him and sell it at you know as part of the con so uh the way that she um she does the entire thing is just like you can believe that she's using all of her skills to bait this person uh which i feel like if chunja uh was written a little bit better as a character and nana had been a better actress 
it would have been as effective as that. That's what I mean by um by by comparison to the thieves because it uses um its cast and the star power a little bit better and they know the strengths of each um actor or actress and they use that to their advantage to pull in the viewer into the story. Um fun fact, Jun Ji Hun uh who plays Yenikol and Kim So Yoon who plays Sampano and the thieves uh was in that movie but also uh they're the main female and male leads in um what was that korean drama they were in uh my love from the stars which was a huge hit uh a couple years back so um they did this before they were paired in that korean drama and you can really see like the the sizzling chemistry between them and the thieves um and it made sense that they were paired in a Korean drama and that Korean drama was a hit. So just one fact. Just dropping a little bit of my Korean drama knowledge, I guess. <laughs> but anyway. Um, okay, back to the swindlers. Uh, there was a lot of twists in the end. And they were not satisfying. Mostly because they lacked a more emotional driving force to it. Like, I... I was just kind of like, oh, okay, that happened, and so-and-so did so-and-so. Um, but then I'm like, okay, is there another twist? Oh, oh, there is another twist. But it was just done in such a boring way that by the end of the movie, I was just like, okay, so that happened, but I'm not... I think what I mean by that is that there was no enough in development or um emotionally that i will be attached to the payoff in the end like um they talked a lot about what happened in the beginning and what precipitated this whole um revenge thing but it didn't carry that much of a weight to me that i was just kind of like mm, man i feel bad because <laughs> i wanted this to be a good movie but it's not it's 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 okay it's not horrible i've seen in my life i've seen so many much worse uh korean movies or movies in general but i mean it, this one had yun bin in it and it could have been so much better but it's not it's it's okay it's just okay it's passable um so like i said maybe um, if you come across this movie maybe just watch the thieves instead much better movie much more fun much more action packed also uh just overall the plot line is so much better um i feel bad because i really love you admin and i really wanted this to be a good good movie but it wasn't um all right that was it <laughs>
Hey, so we're back. I'm going to talk about the K. Well, this is going to be the K pop section of this podcast. Um, hopefully, you guys enjoyed me talking about Korean movies. Um, I'm going to try to do more about Korean movies in future podcasts, but mostly it's going to be Korean dramas. So, you guys can look forward to that. Anyways, on to the K pop. Um, first song that I'm going to talk about, um, you might have heard it. If you're on Anchor, you're going to hear a snippet of it um, before this section. Um, but if you're listening elsewhere, you're gonna hear a different non-copyrighted song <laughs> for your listening enjoyment. Anyway, um, uh, first things first, I'm gonna talk about uh, a song called "Focus on Me" by Just Two. Um, a little bit about Just Two. It's the subunit from JYP Entertainment's group called God Seven, with their members JB and Yogyam. Um, okay first things first uh before i rant on about this song um i am a huge huge god seven fan i i went to their concert this past uh, like summer yeah and was just like floored i've been a fan for a while and they are amazing um i don't think i've really talked about one of their songs yet in these podcasts but it's only because i don't I'll probably like rant about it and ramble about it so much that you guys are gonna get bored and be like, "What the heck am I listening to in this podcast?" Um, but I love them so much. And um, confession: JB and Yagyam are not particularly my favorite members. Um, my bias is Jin Young, um, which I love him to death. I love all of them, but Jin Young's my favorite. But JB and Yugyum weren't particularly like in the top of my favorites list. I feel kind of weird saying that, but um, that kind of changed after I heard this song. Um, Focus on Me is an R&B track with some lo-fi beats mixed in. Um, I when I first listened to it, it's very, it's very chill, and it has a very sensual, sexy sound to it, which kind of makes sense if you know um, God Seven and jb and jb is kind of like that like that chic like sexy leader character like um persona so it kind of makes sense that 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 his music is like this and he's usually the one who's producing and writing songs for god seven um and yugyum is their magne they're um the youngest in the group and he's also the one who does all the dance choreography um and he's also a vocalist he he does pretty well in vocals um but the mixture of their their voices actually surprisingly is very very easy to listen to um like i said it has this sensual sound to it uh, which most r&b tracks are but um there's a bit of i want to say it's a little bit of techno kind of also like the beats mixed in so that kind of makes it interesting it's not just a flat out r&b track um it's more mature um than what i would say is the usual from god seven so it makes sense that it's the song for their subunit because i feel like subunits they incur k-pop they mostly function so that you can show a different side to um a k-pop group and just to does this really well um jb is also part of the other subunit from god seven so uh the jj project so in that one in jj project it's my bias jin young and jb um which they kind of do their sound is a little bit different it's a lot more of like a, a poppy dance like um kind of sound and that's different with jb and yugum and in terms of because the subunit is debuting a lot later in got seven's career um that they're a lot older now they're all in their mid-20s and they're portraying a more mature image to them compared to when jj uh, project came out which was a few years ago more closer to uh, god seven's debut when they were doing they had like a cutesy image though so um this one's more mature definitely has a more mature sound than most god seven songs um i i love it i love you know when it goes just focus on me just focus on, and then their dance moves with um yugyom just like doing the okay sign in front of his eyes it's it's really f- like 
when you listen to it you just feel so like cool and just like relaxed and just like just grooving to it just makes you feel like like sensual i guess <laughs> such a weird way to describe a song but that's really how it is um anyways uh when just two was promoting as a subunit it was the same time that jin young had his um lead role in he is psychometric i don't know if i mentioned that before um well maybe in the future i'll talk about he is psychometric in the key drama section of the podcast because um it's it's such an it's an enjoyable korean drama not just because my bias is jen young and i love him to death but um because it's it's a fun it's a fun um korean drama um but I love it because Just Two actually was part of the the OSD, the original soundtrack for He Is Psychometric with their song Take. Take is also one of those songs that I'm just like, it's one of those songs that is so good to listen to when you're just trying to relax at home. You're drinking, like you have like a glass of wine with some cheese and you're just chilling and you're just like, you just want to be lulled into this like relaxing mood like it's not the type of time that you want to listen to an upbeat song but you don't also want to listen to something that's like so slow and instrumental that you'll fall asleep it's just like a very chill very like feel good type of song like when you listen to it so um focus on me um i love it it's it's one of those songs that i constantly play i have a playlist of these uh, more chill vibe type of songs from god seven and focus on me is in one of them um and i definitely recommend that you give it a listen and that that's that's it that's that's what i'm gonna say about focus on me <laughs> um next thing i'm gonna talk about okay so i'm gonna talk about a song called red um by the rose i know i've talked about this group um a couple of podcasts ago it was like in episode two i believe of the podcast um but a little bit of a background before i go on to it um they're a four-member band from jn star entertainment they were an indie band prior to debut into the k-pop scene um this song red has like very strong um summer vibes type of song it's different from their usual more sentimental songs like she's in the rain um but also it's a bit different from their more lively and playful um song like baby um despite also um this this is a song red is a song about essentially saying that it's okay to be different it's okay to be out of your box it's okay to not fit into the norm which is a very good message i love that that's that's their message and they you know chose to put out this song um i i really love the song when this came out but a couple days ago this past weekend actually i actually was very fortunate enough to to hear them live um i was looking forward to seeing the rose um in concert so i got that opportunity um this past weekend uh when i saw them at fonda theater here in los angeles and um the thing okay um i'm already a fan of um korean rock uh, korean bands in general like i've been a longtime fan of fd island cn blue um recently day six and and flying and the rose um so the thing about bands and rock concerts i feel like it's so essential to hear them live like their studio releases um are amazing but hearing them live last sunday was just a breathtaking experience in itself like it was a smallish venue it wasn't like a stadium or anything you know when i saw it got seven um it was a very huge the forum was a very big like venue like i was in the nosebleed seats and even then i still enjoyed it like that's how great of a performer um got seven um is but um the the thing with the rose um they're 
they played in a much more intimate setting. It's probably like less than a thousand people can fit in this theater. Um, it was all standing. There was um, pretty much, it gave that vibe of that actual. I felt like, I felt like I was into a in in and on secret of like discovering this amazing band with amazing vocals and like amazing skills of playing their instruments, and I'm just in in the secret with like a thousand other people um <laughs> and which is probably not the case it's like um you're getting more and more well known internationally um but it kind of had that intimate feeling um but hearing um hearing red live was um they did it as their finale like encore song and i was just like floored because when you feel when i heard it for the first time um just streaming it's you get that very summery vibe but you don't get much of the feeling of it being a rock song until you see it live in person and i was just like hearing wu songs um their lead vocalists um his his voice and just the the tone of it was so different hearing it live that you can't help by just like being so engrossed and just like enthralled by the song um that i well throughout throughout the concert i was just like bopping my head and it was just like so into the whole music it was amazing um they did um almost all of their tracks um they did cheese in the rain they did um baby they did red they did uh, what else did they do? They did Sorry, which is oh, what I talked about in a previous podcast. Um, so they did those songs as well as other songs, and they did covers. Um, they overall such an amazing experience. I'm so glad I've I had the lucky opportunity to hear them live and in person. They're equally as amazing to listen to. I mean, probably the experience of hearing them live and hearing their songs live is like a hundred times like much more elevated than just hearing it streaming or their studio versions um you get the impact and just the emotion and energy of them so much better hearing them live and just the hearing the instruments live as well um and you you just feel the music a little bit better um but anyways red is one of those songs it's it's makes you want to jump and it makes you want to like go to the beach it just makes makes you want to like have fun um and it's it's a feel-good song so i definitely recommend it um do check it out if you are on anchor you're going to hear a small snippet of it after this section um plays out okay um if not like again you're gonna hear a generic non-copyrighted song so stay tuned i'm gonna be back with the k-beauty section of this podcast
right we're back with um peach neon pink ramblings and this is the k beauty section of this podcast um it's gonna be a bit of a short one but it's gonna be a fun korean beauty um talk we're gonna have here we're gonna talk about lipsticks um (laughs) i am a person that is obsessed obsessed with lip products lipsticks lip gloss anything makeup wise they can put on the lips i love it i have shit ton of it here at home in my purse anywhere i go i i have way too much i have it, it's an addiction i think obviously um <laughs> so recently i've been really into matte lipsticks just because i am not a huge fan anymore of shiny lip glossy type of lipsticks um just because i hate how it too sticky most of the time and my hair sticks to it and it's just gross um so i've been loving matte lipsticks recently um and it's just such a better look on my skin i think um i'm gonna talk about two um k-beauty lipsticks right now first of all i'm gonna talk about um this one called um i think you pronounce this bia it's bbia bbia maybe bibia um bibia last lipstick red series velvet matte in 12 fantasy um it is a very gorgeous rosy mauve color um it goes on very smooth without any tugging on the lips it kind of just melts into your lips it doesn't dry out the lips when it uh, after you finish applying it um the good thing about it is that it's very affordable it's like less than 10 bucks when i bought it online uh off amazon it amazon doesn't have all the shades that they have for the last lipstick last lipsticks i think there's like five or seven series now of the um last lips last lipstick um and each one has i think a good six or seven different shades on them so this one is the one that's in shade fantasy number 12 it's a velvety matte lipstick um like i said affordable um but the lasting power isn't that very good um if you remember when i've talked about lipsticks before i like it when they leave a bit of a stain in my lips just because it means like it's um i can reapply it a lot less because i'm lazy like that in terms of makeup um i compare this to the lipstick itself is a square type of case of a lipstick bullet ca- um lipstick bullet is inside um and it has like kind of like a smooth like suede almost feel outside plasticky suede very similar to um 3ce's mood recipe lipsticks um and i've talked about 3ce before um i i love love my 3ce uh, mood recipe in i forgot the number but the shade is called mellow flower and that was more of a coral um coral rose shade um this one is a little bit different it's more of like leans more towards like a cool rosy mauve like i said um almost a little bit pinkish brown um but the the good thing about 3ce is that it leaves a bit of a stain so i don't end up reapplying it like right away when it fades on my lips after eating or drinking something but with um bibia's last lipstick i love the feel on my lips but it doesn't last very well like i am i've worn it a couple times and each time i've eaten or drank something it just like smudges away um which is it's it's fine because it's less than 10 bucks and i don't expect that much um about lipsticks that are like more than like less than ten dollars that it's going to perform when you compare it to to a lipstick that's twenty dollars um but i love the the shade range i i'm probably gonna try to buy a couple more <laughs> actually i shouldn't feed into this addiction do not fit into addiction of lip products um but yeah um i like that it's really available on amazon it's that it's also quite affordable easy on the pockets um in comparison i'm gonna talk about um this one called moonshot um moonshot cream paint in the shade chilling coral um moonshot is a brand endorsed by um 
Blackpink, uh, specifically Lisa. Blackpink is, if you're not familiar in K-pop, is a very famous, um, they're quite a very famous girl group. And Lisa uses their products. So she, this is the makeup she uses. So the, the lipstick that they have that is matte is actually called a cream paint. And it kind of looks more like a lip gloss rather than the traditional look of um, a um, lipstick that is like a bullet type of a matte lipstick but the finish of this is not cream or satin it's more of a matte um so this is mostly like a liquid matte lipstick with a doe foot applicator which makes it very very hygienic i mean you don't you um, i am i had i have more practice with using bullet type lipsticks so i have more control enjoying my lips that way so it kind of took me a bit of uh, finagling and just moving it around and like just using the doe foot applicator because i haven't really used like doe foot applicators usually doe foot applicators i remind i usually have used it with lip glosses so um usually lip gloss doesn't require very precise stack like, application but with with lipstick you have to kind of be more precise with like not like having smudges on the sides of your lips and stuff so it's kind of a bit hard with this with the doe foot applicator because it has a peculiar shape um it's very creamy it dries into a matte finish after you've let it dry for a couple minutes um the color payoff is less than a regular matte lipstick it's not very very definite and very bold color payoff um this color is like coral so it's supposed to be like very orangey but it it's not it kind of comes more of like a translucent um on my lips so i have quite dark dark you know lips so it it, it comes out um a little bit more just a wash of coral um, but I'm pretty sure if you use a few coats of it, that it's actually going to be a little bit more opaque. Um, but it feels very light on the lips. It doesn't feel heavy at all. So, um, it's one of those lip products that is, would be very good to use while it's hot out, if it's the summer. So, um, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Still though, three CE's mood recipe is probably gonna be my um, HE, my holy grail of like Korean matte lipsticks, just of the way it performs, um, the lasting power and just the the color payoff is so good. Um, even though it's so much more expensive, I think it can range from twenty to like thirty, forty bucks. It probably depends on the shade and stuff. So, um, but I think Bibia and Moonshot, um, definitely is a good um alternative to uh compared to a pricier one actually maybe not moonshot because moonshot cream paint it was it was actually like 20 something ish dollars and for for the amount of color payoff that leaves on my lips i don't think it's really worth like 20 bucks um i was kind of a little bit lured by the fact that oh black pink's lisa uses this and it looks amazing on her but that's a k-pop idol like that's not me regular person that has like dry chap lips so um but like i said this this is creamy enough that it doesn't accentuate all the the dryness and the the chap areas on my lips but also the color payoff is not that great so um i feel like that's like a theme of this whole podcast i'm not recommending anything amazingly good to you guys but i feel like there should be a good balance and balance in podcasts that um if i talk to you guys about all just the good things then you know you guys would think that I'd never seen anything horrible, like in terms of Korean dramas or Korean films, or listen to a bad song, or tried a, diff- a, a bad, like, uh, not recommended, like, K beauty product. So, <laughs> sorry about kind of like a, this episode's a bit of a downer. so you've reached the end of episode five of peach neon pink ramblings the end of this podcast thank you so much for tuning in i really appreciate you taking the time of listening to me rant about korean movies k-pop and korean beauty 
Um, I'm so thankful, super, super thankful. Thank you again for tuning into this podcast. Definitely let me know what you want me to talk. Mm. Ugh. Messing that up, right? <laughs> Definitely let me know uh, what you want me to talk about at https. Um, anyway, anchor.fm forward slash peach neon pink. Neon has two ends forward slash message, or you can tweet me. Actually, I just opened a new uh, Twitter account for this podcast at peach neon pink. Neon again has two ends. Um, so definitely tweet me there. Let me know what you think, what you want me to talk about. And again, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you guys look forward to the next episode coming in about a week or so. Um, and I'm going to go back to talking about Korean dramas in that episode. So look forward to that. Um, and I will see you guys next time.